And finally, one time, I told my wife, "I, I don't, I can't do this. I, I, they're just so strong." And she, I remember she got mad, and I remember she got mad. Why do you want to drink? Why do you like that stuff? And and I had to tell her. I said, "Sherilyn, I'm telling you this, not for you to get mad at me. I don't need you to get mad at me. I'm telling you this because I'm asking for your help." I said, "I'm not going out drinking. I'm telling you, I want to." And when she understood that and realized I was crying out for help, I remember she she hugged me and she she said, "I love you." Stay good day. Welcome, my friends, to The Storyteller, where you'll find First Nations people from across Native North America who are following Jesus Christ without reservation. Today we'll hear more from Jimmy Murphy, Jr., a Choctaw from Oklahoma, as he shares what God used to finally get his attention and set him free from his addictions. By this point in my life, I, I drank beer every day. I'd come home from work. I'd, on the way, I'd stop and get a six-pack. and I'd sit down and get home, sit down and drink that six-pack in, in my mind to unwind. And, and that's not counting, you know, if it was a, a coin night at some bar or if it was the weekend. The weekends were worse. And so it was hard. It was hard to quit. And even though as a Christian, I knew I needed the Lord. I needed God to help me. But I wasn't living for Him. I wasn't in fellowship. wasn't in church. And so I was basically on my own, in my own strength, trying to quit. And I did good for a little while. But then I fell. I fell and, and, and a drink one night. And there we were back in an argument. And, of course, I had hurt her. I had broke her trust and broke my, I'd lied to her, broke my, my promise. And so finally I said, well, you know, in my mind, I said, I, I gotta, we gotta go to church. The only way I'm gonna get help is if I go to where God's people are at. And so we, we went. Uh, I, I was kind of straightening up and I thought everything was fine and it, everything was looking good. It appeared to be looking good and going well and, but I still had the cravings. And finally one time I told my wife, I, I don't, I can't do this. Uh, I, I, they're just so strong. And she, I remember she got mad and, and I remember she got mad. Why do you want to drink? Why do you like that stuff? And, and I had to tell her, I said, Sherilyn, I'm telling you this. Not for you to get mad at me. I don't need you to get mad at me. I'm telling you this because I'm asking for your help. I said, I'm not going out drinking. I'm telling you, I want to. And when she understood that uh, and realized I was crying out for help, I remember she, she hugged me and she, she said, I love you. And I know it was, I didn't know it then. I know now it was God I had put her in my life. Because by this time we, we, we sat down and we talked about it. And so every time I got a craving, I told her, and she took me by the hand. We'd go take our kids to the park, or we'd go get some ice cream, and things that I never did. Uh, I quit doing at, when I was drinking because I'd saved all my money for beer. You know, I, I'd never done any of that because I'd always saving my money to party. And she took me to start doing those things. And then we began to talk, and, and it made us grow closer in our relationship. And as we would grow closer, you know, we still weren't married at the time. And we, we both knew what was right in God's eyes. And so we went and we got married. And that was the first step. And from there, as we went to church, we began to take it more seriously. Uh, I remember at this point in my life, I was in my early, probably mid-20s. And I'd been working for a, a trucking equipment 
a place where we sold a lot of parts. And I was the delivery driver at the time, and I'd deliver parts or pick up parts or whatever they needed me to do. And it was 1995, I remember. And uh, I remember driving from the west side of Oklahoma City where the, my company was to the – I was heading to the east side or to a little suburb called Midwest City and to deliver some parts. And as I was going, I had to – of course, I had to stereo up loud. And I remember heading down the highway – and being an old truck, it was rough riding anyway, and uh, it felt like I hit a big pothole. That truck just uh, it just jarred it, and kind of I came up off the seat. I didn't think anything of it. Kept cruising down the highway, and next thing I know, there's a uh, highway patrols passing me like, and I'm doing about sixty-five, seventy miles per hour, and they're passing me like I'm standing still. And you know, ambulances and fire trucks, and even military. I seen military police, military. Uh, ambulance. I said, man, well, there's something really bad. It must be a real bad wreck, you know, uh, down the road. So I kind of started slowing down a little bit. And I was on, matter of fact, I was on Interstate 40 heading east. And just as I come to downtown, I saw a, a large black cloud of smoke. And I saw paperwork just coming down, just coming from the sky. And I, I turned the radio station. And as I started turning, reports started coming in that there was an explosion downtown. And uh, they didn't know what it was, you know, at, at first, and just it was an explosion. And uh, so I, I went on with my, you know, doing my job, and went and delivered my parts. But I was coming back. As I was coming back, by this time, an hour had passed, I guess. And they knew enough to know that it was the Murr building and that there was people in there conducting business. And, of course, we had all our different offices in there, military and Social Security and uh, just different things. Credit Union was in there. There was a nursery at the bottom. And they were really talking, though, about the nursery and that there was little babies and there was concern. People were down there. Parents were down there. They were saying looking for their loved ones. There was people walking around in the streets days and bleeding. And when I heard that, uh, it, it's like God was speaking to my conscience that uh, there was innocent people there, innocent people killed. Um, they were just reporting for work and uh, little babies, you know, had died and. Uh, it was like God spoke to me in my conscience uh, uh, that there's an innocent woman at home uh, depending on me. There's innocent children at my home depending on me. And I realized then that, that I had just been playing, playing uh, with my life. I, I was playing with my, my family's life. and It was like God was speaking to me, if you're not going to take Take it serious. Uh, you know where your blessings, I gave you your blessings. You know where they came from. And I, I pulled the truck over. I remember and I cried and I cried and I cried like a little baby. And I remember uh, all I could say was after I quit crying was, yes, Father, I hear you. And from that day forward, and that was in, in April 19th, 1995, I've been serving God the best that I can, that I feel like I can ever since. You know, time has passed, and there was a time, though, I thought, after, you know, getting stronger as a Christian, I had forgiven my mother. I thought I did. Things were going well, and just everything seemed to be going right. And one night I woke up in the middle of the night, and I, I woke up crying. And God had told me, Jimmy, you never forgave your mother. You know, it doesn't ever say that people have to be around for you to forgive somebody. It just said, Jesus just said, forgive. My Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, He won't forgive you. And you know, everything everything had been going 
well with even me and my mother. You know, we were getting along and we, we, you know, we had even talked that week. But he woke me up to let me know something wasn't right. And so right there, even though she couldn't hear me, I said, Mama, I forgive you. And I remember God broke my heart. And the next day I called my mom and I let her, I said, Mama, I never told you this, but I just assumed you, you, you understood. I forgive you and I love you. And I told her my experience and what God had done that night, the night before. And I said, Mama, I forgive you. Because I remember as I'm in my 30s now and I'm 38 years old now. And I can remember she, different times she told me, son, I wasn't a good mother as I could have been to you. I know I treated you wrong. I, I said things I shouldn't have said. And, and, and I know that if you never forgave me, I'd understand. She said, but I'm asking you to forgive me. And I told her I'd forgiven her in times past, but I didn't realize I didn't really mean it till that night. And once I forgave her, I noticed in my preaching, I noticed in my teaching became more powerful. And it wasn't because of me, but it was God. And how he was changing me and allowing me to think different and to see things different, you know. And I noticed things begin to change in the ministry I was in. I noticed my family begin to change. Attitudes were just different things. God was, and, and all fell back on forgiveness. And since then, you know, my mother and I, that little wall, that division or that bitterness is gone. I can still talk about those things. I still remember those things. Unlike when I used to remember them, when the anger would come in, just like as if it was that same day or that same middle of the night. I can talk about it now, and there's no anger. There's no more bitterness. I can talk now out of love, and it's just a memory. And I can bring it up because now when I talk about it, I share with how God changed things, how God uh, brings about a, a change of attitude and a change of how you can love someone that did do you wrong and you know it's no different between us and God because before we were saved you know before we give our life to him we are his enemies and if we die like that we'll we'll go to a place called hell where there is no more second chances there's no more coming back but because we can, we've got a chance through His Son, Jesus Christ. He made a way for us. And the Bible says, even while we were yet sinners, Jesus gave His life for us. Why? Well, he didn't have to, but He loves us that much. And, and if we think back all the times we've done Him wrong, we've cheated on Him, we've lied to Him, we've cussed at Him, we, we, we've, we've uh, said, I wished, maybe in our, our actions, I never had you. Some of the things that we did, He still loves us, still forgives us, still will allow us to come back to Him. And so now, my relationship with my mother is is good. My relationship with my wife, my family is good. And just like any other marriage, we have our ups and downs. We have our disagreements. But because we have the love of Jesus in our heart, we can work through those things. God knew what He was doing. He sees further down the road than we can ever see. And when everybody saw me and gave up on me and just saw an old drunk, uh, just a typical drunk young man, a drug dealer, God saw what he could do. And I think a lot of us don't realize that is we look through eyes of sin. That's our nature. We were born into that. 
But God looks through eyes of righteousness. And he sees it different than we do. But that's, that's what I want to share with you in this testimony is, is no matter how bad you've, you've been, or you think you've been, maybe you think you've gone, gone too far. As long as you have a breath left in you, as long as you're in your right mind, you can call upon the name of Jesus. He'll take you back. He'll save your soul. And he, he's a second chance God. Maybe you're a Christian and maybe you just hadn't walked like you ought to be walking. He'll take you back. He loves you. And you know, Jesus didn't, unlike a lot of us, He doesn't bring up your past. He doesn't throw that in your face. He doesn't accuse you. The Bible says Satan's the accuser. He's the one who wants to keep you down. Jesus wants to save you. And when you come to Him and you lay it all out there on the line and give it to Him, He'll save you. He'll change you if you allow Him to. All you have to know is to admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you're lost. Admit that you need Him. You need a Savior. And believe. Believe in your heart that that Jesus did die on the cross for your sins. Believe that God did raise Him from the grave. And then confess that. Confess that you believe. Confess that He is Lord. Confess that you need Him. Want to know more? Visit our website, withoutreservation.com, and click on the tab, New Life. Or download the Storyteller radio app and choose Hope. You can also write to us at The Storyteller, P.O. Box 1001, Bemidji, Minnesota, 56619. Our phone number is 877-766-4648. Thanks for listening. And remember, the greatest story took place at the cross. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, there are more amazing stories to tell, so be sure to join us again next time as we listen to The Storyteller.